Hello, and welcome to the Emerald Gamescast episode 58. My name is Nolan, with me is... I'm Janelle. And, of course... I'm Alex. How are you guys doing today? Um, I sniffed when you were saying hello. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's pie day. It's March yeah. 14th, for yeah. anyone wondering. I have pizza. Yeah. Do you guys feel healthy, like, in general? Why do you no. ask? Do you guys ever think about how if the Ring Fit Adventure hadn't gone MIA at the beginning of COVID and we all had Ring Fit Adventure, we would all maybe be substantially more cardiovascularly healthy. That's, is that a word? Than we are now. Cardiovascularly, maybe? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. You guys ever think about that? I'm thinking about it all the time. I, I, I don't think about either. that, but I do think adjacently yeah. to that because I used to play a lot of Pokemon Go and I lost like... 30 pounds and was like fit wow back when i regularly played pokemon go in like yeah. college and then like or not or like i went to a community college for two years so uh back then and then as time went on i stopped playing and then now of course we it's we can't go outside without a mask so it's like less convenient for me to 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 walk several miles out in the open with the mask well, on so the thing about the masks is that when you catch your pikachu you can't kiss it now it's yeah right. Right. So why would you even go play Pokemon Go right now? I caught a rock ruff and I was like, I want to just give him a big old smooch, and but I can't because the mask was in the I way. Know. It's a tragedy. I don't well, think rock ruff is in Pokemon Go yet. You know, it's funny <laughs> you guys are talking about this because I I'm sure you remember back when we first started recording the podcast outside of the studio in the pandemic. I would I would say things at the beginning of the episode like, you know, it's x date and we're it's now we're now seven weeks into recording from home or whatever but it it it's sort of just uh sort of just a little too far gone now yeah kind of recorded (laughs) from home more than we ever recorded in a studio i think think. we 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 can almost consider ourselves to have had like a little brief golden period of physical recording huh yeah yeah a little bit the uh food fumble hotline uh actually still gives COVID updates for the uh eugene uh area or the eugene springfield area which is really nice so they're 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 doing our part for us we're fine thanks that's right thanks y'all well i know today you guys that we have a little bit of news i think it's really fun to I do gonna, this wait, is i'm gonna do a big do the what hang on no no don't don't hang on this is this is i like doing this i like I like oh, that sound. Yeah. I like I like putting that in the podcast because if the listener Nolan, is going to go into the news with us, I like them to have a little drink too. It's kind of nice. Nolan, I have a, I have something to confess to you. What? The last one or two times you've done that on the podcast, whoever <gasps> no. is editing the podcast has had to paste in a a sound of one being no. opened oh, because it, it doesn't like, come does through this, the mic. Does it spike the audio? That's hysterical. no. I mean, it sounds fine, but it's very clearly not you opening it up. Right? That so, is so funny. If it doesn't come through the mic, how do they know what I'm doing? Because you were talking about a drink last time. Oh, okay. Well, then how about this, editor? That's so fucking funny. Editor, you can... <laughs> this time, you can put in whatever noise you want. It doesn't even have to be a can opening. You, <laughs> no, you can put in you, any noise at all. Why don't you make the sound instead to help our editors out? Make a clown car sound. That that's, fits Nolan's character pretty well. Yeah. How about I just make a news jingle? Instead, okay. the news jingle is me saying, we got some news this week. Uh, kind of weak. Yeah. Uh, how about... It's the Emerald Gamescast Daily News. How, how is that? Well, it's not daily, it's weekly. Yeah, whatever. Okay, what is 
Yeah, yeah uh, whatever. We want to give people accurate information. We can't lie to them out the gate like that. The Emerald Gamescast Weekly News. In the weekly news, you guys, is that um, we have talked about on this podcast before some announcements that Microsoft was making. They were going to be picking up some studios, you know, that, that, that Microsoft, in an attempt to compete with Sony, has been going around and um, picking up previously third-party devs and uh, sort of making them into first-party devs to, to like, sort of bolster their, their exclusive lineup. Uh, there was a, a pretty large and pretty unexpected one that uh, we foreshadowed uh, several episodes ago, but Microsoft actually picked up an entire publisher. They, they absorbed Bethesda recently, um, and we did talk about this story when it first occurred but we have a lot more details now so we're returning to it this week um and yeah talking about again that microsoft when they picked up this publisher got a whole lot of of studios slapped in under this umbrella alex do do you have the list of studios in front of you i'm trying to find it here um i do not i have the news article but i'm not sure if it lists them all or not oh i here it is here it is Mm. So uh, they say, it's an honor to welcome the eight incredibly talented development studios, um, those being Bethesda Game Studios, id Software, ZeniMax Online Studios, Arcane, Machine Games, Tango Gameworks, Alpha Dog, and Roundhouse Studios. Um, and of course, that all comes from the complete acquisition of ZeniMax Media, which, you know, the story's about Microsoft absorbing Bethesda, but that's because the name recognition really is ZeniMax Media as an entirety, so... Mm-hmm. huge the, get um the the reason we're coming back to it though is specifically because uh the u.s and european trade commissions uh approved it so before then it was like hey we bought we we got the rights we did it but now we have to make sure that the governments are okay with it and it's not like a what would you call it um antitrust situation mm-hmm. um but now uh u.s and europe are are cool with it and so I'm willing to assume the rest of the world is. They're confident enough to make an official, like to make it official on their website. So, and yeah. one of the first huge things that is coming out of this is that Bethesda is uh, going to be adding 20 games to Game Pass. So, we had a discussion when this was first announced, and I'm sure we'll come back to it today. But the the, the big thing we were wondering was whether or not this acquisition would mean that games published under the Bethesda umbrella would become Microsoft hardware exclusives, which would be a business with lots of pros and cons. Um, We still can't say for sure whether or not that will happen, but I don't know about you guys, but looking at all They outright told us what would happen. They did? Yeah, I, I was talking about this before the podcast. So in an interview with Phil Spencer... Phil said that any future, besides the ones that are already uh, like signed with certain consoles, like for example, Deathloop is going to launch as a mm-hmm. PS5 exclusive, um, any future uh, games under the ZeniMax umbrella, which includes Bethesda and all those other studios we just mentioned, will only come out on consoles that allow Microsoft Game Pass. Okay, okay. So if they I don't have Game Pass, okay. they don't get uh, any more uh, Bethesda games. And, and and they're starting this by, by throwing up, like, this huge catalog, really, what, what looks like all of the publisher's best hits of the past uh, decade or even oh, longer yeah. are, oh, are yeah. going up on Game Pass, like, uh, like right away. Pretty, I think they already were. By the time soon. we're recording this, this was which as is, of the 12th. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but this is this is definitely because we you're right we did talk a little bit about this. This is a very interesting bargaining chip that they have in their their pocket now because it's it suddenly makes a lot more sense. They really want to push Game Pass as opposed to their consoles because you know one of the things we talked about again in that previous episode was until this point I I was not super positive but willing to believe that Microsoft wanted to kind of dip out of the console publishing game. Um, and with this information, I'm thinking maybe they still kind of do, or at least want to revamp it or change it in some massive fundamental way. Uh, what do you guys think, though? No, Janelle, I know you had some thoughts about this when it when it, this first was announced. Mm, my thoughts are a little different than what we've been talking about. Um, my main concern, I guess, at this point is that the games that they've added to Game Pass already are playable on mobile, which makes me worried that future Bethesda games will be less optimal on consoles and made to be mobile friendly. Um, I don't know. It's like I, um, I know this kind of probably goes against something I've said before, I'm sure, but like I'm really disappointed in the last few things Bethesda's done. Um, Fallout 4 was, you know, whatever. Um, Elder Scrolls has its own problems, despite me liking it. So I think that, like, if this had happened before, I would be more bothered by it. But I kind of don't know if I care anymore. But I, but maybe I'm just jaded. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Because yeah, we were just talking about how excited we all were for Deathloop. That is a yeah, but Deathloop, Bethesda property. Yeah, but that's still going to be on... Um, other consoles well, too. To, to be fair, all the games that Janelle mentioned are Bethesda Game Studios games. Death, Deathloop is on Arcane, so that's, yeah. that's a different developer. Yeah, Arcane but it's is o- now also owned by Microsoft. Right, but that's still going to be on other consoles. Um, and Arcane is the. I mean, I love Arcane games, so that is disappointing. But I also have Game Pass, so like. Yeah. You know. Um, I mean, we all have Game Pass and access to these games, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I've never been big on the way Xbox just buys up a bunch of developers, right? Like it's That's not like a, relatively recent though, isn't it? No, they've been doing this for years. Um, they buy up these studios and then they shut down, or they don't. But I feel like they do more often than not. I, I kind of know what you mean. And if it, if it isn't a shutdown, I feel like we see a lot of um, developers that Microsoft picks up. Maybe not a lot, but the ones that come to mind. Uh, they, it's not that they're they're not productive. Uh, it just feels like their focus has changed so much. I, like when, you know, I suppose I'm thinking primarily of Rareware. When Rareware got picked up by Microsoft, uh, there was so much possibility, and I just feel like the Microsoft management did some did some weird weird things with 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 Rareware that. We're, we're almost completely heedless of like the franchises that they could have been focusing on or the, the studio strengths they could have been focusing on um, mm-hmm. in a way that made the studio almost lose its cachet. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I think that will happen to Bethesda, but I, I, I totally understand where, where you're coming from in saying that like with Microsoft being focused on streaming and, 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 and mobile accessibility and managing all these games it's sort of like when developers get picked up by ea it's like oh now all of a sudden they have a whole a whole lot more funding Um, but like they have to do something for ea now i think and i'm not saying this like as some sony fanboy this is just an example that comes to mind um 
you know, Sony paying Kojima to make a game just for them. And, you know, PC now, but we didn't know that at the time. I feel like they gave him a lot of money and then let him do whatever he wanted with it. And he did. Um, and that was, I think, great, whether or not you think so. You know, that's beside the point. I just worry that Microsoft um, isn't going to go, here's a bunch of money and freedom as much as they're going to go, here's a bunch of money, now do these things, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to agree with you, partially because I really don't like the idea of a, of one uh, like console developer and, and studio buying up another studio for exclusivity, but... Microsoft's track record has been pretty good recently. Like, they're funding the new uh, Stalker game. That's true. Um, yeah, they're coming up with all sorts of weird new indie stuff. Like, And Nolan mentioning uh, Rareware, which was, yeah, an absolutely huge disaster. I think they have to have learned their lesson from that, right? One one would certainly hope so. Yeah. Like, I remember in, uh, in an interview with, uh, I don't think it was Todd, but one of the higher-up ZeniMax guys, Todd being Todd Howard, but uh they mentioned something where they were like oh we'll be like the other microsoft studios where we'll be kind of independent and then they'll give us funding and like we'll release on their consoles which we'll see if that holds true but i I guess it's just the mobile thing that makes me so hesitant i have not heard of this are you talking about like the fact that you can stream games on mobile now it's you can basically like bluetooth and xbox controller and stream yeah oh i don't think that's gonna affect anything I mean, you can't get a certain, like... Like, the fidelity obviously won't be the same. It's on a phone. Yeah, but like, I guess not... that's my thing. Like, it doesn't leave a lot of room for technological growth. But um, it's not running on the phone, right? No, it's sure, like... but I'm just saying that, like, I don't think that the Elder Scrolls Six that's not designed to be playable on a phone is going to be the same as the Elder Scrolls 6 that's designed to be able to be streamed on a phone if that makes sense yeah I think those games are going to be the same though like I don't think that they have to change a whole lot I mean like but you know are you sort of saying that like that being a consideration in the studio it's kind of like when 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 the game runs the same on console and PC, but then the PC has a UI that is designed to work with the D-pad. It's sort of like, yeah. oh, maybe now the text has to be bigger, or maybe now they have to um, uh, make something that you could easily transition, pick up and put down in a way. Maybe some some kind of considerations, like maybe you'd have someone in Microsoft saying like, make make this game. Um, more accessible to like pick up and put down play for people that are doing mobile streaming. I guess that's like what that. I'm saying. I mean, knock on about? wood, knock on wood, but I really, really doubt that that's going to be what happens. I hope that I'm wrong, but I don't mm-hmm. think, or I hope that I'm right. Rather, I don't think it'll happen and I hope it won't happen, but yeah. I really don't think it will. Yeah. I, I'm kind of in the middle. Um, I, I also, I hadn't thought about that, but it does occur to me just in general that, when you get like a new corporate management on top of whatever publisher uh sometimes that can be good and sometimes they stick to what they're saying when they always say in their press release that they'll mm-hmm. keep making games as they always have and oh like, right nothing, nothing will change but it's you know you never can quite be sure that that's actually going to be true yeah, like you said that's what they always say right that's what we'll they always say see it. yeah yep I, I definitely have a lot of faith in the games that Bethesda already has on the docket. Um, 
but I do I do worry a bit about like what the influence of Microsoft uh, will mean for Bethesda like going forward because I I uh, I just so Morrowind was an Xbox exclusive for 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 the record this this is. Mm-hmm a little bit of history on that so like there, there's a there's a precedent here for for these big uh kind of watershed games to be exclusive uh but i liked it when they weren't <laughs> and i just yeah. i don't buy new xbox consoles i don't like them that much so that really my personal stake is i would like to play elder scrolls 6 on a playstation 5 that's really all it comes yeah. down to to me i guess with I could- Oh, sorry, Alex. No, no I was, I was going to say really quick, with Morrowind, that was back when, like, consoles were different, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, like, course, now, for the most part, they're so, they being the two big ones, uh, Sony and PlayStation. Sony or, and Sony, Dreamcast, yeah. Yeah, Sony and Dreamcast. <laughs> Sony and Sega. That would be a wonderful alternate universe. Somebody sorry, write, right. like, real-world AU where the the Dreamcast won the console it's, wars. No, it's, it's, like, it's like the Dreamcast and, like, the Nintendo PlayStation both came out oh, and then fuck. they both and they both survived and then sony never became a hardware manufacturer this That's is a bit of a <laughs> this is a bit of a tangent but i don't remember her name for the life of me but on uh kotaku there's a really really good video that kind of makes this like plots out this alternate universe where uh digimon won the hmm. c- monster <laughs> catching war and it's really oh, interesting God. what um, were you say though janelle anyway yeah sorry <laughs> no you're good that's really funny um digimon creeped me out this kid yeah. can't um, validate I don't that. Like I just how did. Gross, they look like Pokemon. Cool. All have yeah. a very nice design. Digimon are like all over the fucking place. Um, what I was gonna say though is that in a lot of cases, console exclusivity doesn't necessarily bother me when games are exclusive because they are making use out of specific aspects of one console that the other one doesn't have. Um, Astro's Playroom is a terrible example. Just pretend it's not about PlayStation for a second, like. <laughs> That game existing because of the use of DualSense makes sense to me. So that's fine. Um, If Xbox had a game that made use, like that was designed to make use of Xbox technology. I don't own, I've never owned an Xbox. I don't know. Then like, that's fine. But when they're just like normal games, um, it bothers me more. I can't really validate this either. And I hope you guys know what I mean. And it's kind of hard to explain what I mean. It's just, there's something about going I'm going to buy this studio, and now if you ever want to play their games, you have to buy my software or buy my Game Pass. That makes me feel a lot grosser than other types of exclusivity, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. Um, I think the one place where I deviate, though, is I I don't necessarily feel that way about first-party studios. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Because I I, I definitely feel that if, if Sony wants to fund and employ their own group like Naughty Dog, um, I don't think that they, I think it would be almost, it would be like almost downright charitable if they wanted to, ha- to hand contracts out for other consoles. But Yeah, and like Halo on Xbox makes sense right. to me and I don't mind that at but all. With like second party stuff where they're basically going to people and, and co- contracting them in, um, you know, at a certain point it it moves into the territory of basically being like what happened with the streaming boom. You know, everybody making contracts and deals with Netflix and then pretty soon Netflix's lineup gets gutted because there's like 12 different streaming services. Uh, That it pretty much there's no reason games would not go that way also. 
mm-hmm. for all the studios that work third party and make games for three or four different consoles. If everyone's snapping up devs, you might as well start snapping up good third party devs before someone else does it. Here's and we'll here's end up with thing. like just a big division on that on that front, you know. Right. This is going to sound really naive, but bear with me for a second. Okay. I think everyone in general should be able to play games on anything, right? Like there's yeah. no reason like yeah you can talk about like hardware exclusivity that's a thing right like and and you can work with that but like i feel like the majority of games there's no reason that they couldn't be playable or made to be playable on something else like i don't know a pc or a nintendo switch or a ps5 or even like a phone even a phone right like if you can make that work i see no reason why not to let people you know experience these things right and maybe Mm -hmm. more cynically sell them your product i think i see i think i see one one reason um and it's not going to apply to everything but in the pc gaming sphere in particular uh well and this would apply also with like eighth gen consoles moving back into the switch or to phones or whatnot um you do hear people talking about how a lot of developers you know if they're able to make a game specifically for PC, then they can sort of push the envelope in ways that they can't if they had to go, okay, this game's going to come out on PlayStation 4, so it needs to be able to run at this limited amount of RAM. And you'll say, okay, the hardware is the big bottleneck, yeah. You say, okay, well, we could take this game and we could make this, this, uh, this, this level could be like, you know, 12 square miles of space and it could have vegetation and stuff, but that's not going to fly on the Xbox One, so... We need to chunk it up into four distinct areas with loading transitions. But then that has to happen even on PC when the loading screens are flicking by on a half a frame because they're useless, but you can't have the open space. Like, sure. I think there will be cases where if you're in a studio like Naughty Dog and your only job is to create something that runs on one console uh, in one environment, you're going to be able to like get every last drop of power out of that architecture um but that game would end up looking a lot sloppier on every system if it had to be compatible with all different types of architecture all right so let's take this idea further why shouldn't these games be focused on one and a console that is to my understanding still and very consistently throughout its like lifespan of different iterations the most like powerful console that you can own right like, sure. wouldn't that also give you the benefit that Naughty Dog has when making uh, The Last of Us look gorgeous on the um, PS4 because it's made for the PS4? I'm not sure what you mean. Yeah, I can you reframe your question? Yeah. I, I didn't really... So, okay, so you were talking about how, like, a, a developer like Naughty Dog, if they only have one thing, of, if they only have one specific hardware, they can focus on that game and make it, like, beautiful and really, like, make yeah. it the best that it can be because it's running on one SKU, SKU, yeah. right? Yeah. Why couldn't the same thing happen with the new Elder Scrolls on Xbox? Uh, it Why could. couldn't it um, just be that? It could. That's not what my issue was. Um, also, the answer is because it's also going to be running on mobile. Um, well, streaming it's not running yeah, on yeah, mobile. Yeah. It's but streaming it's, through mobile. Yeah, and we all know that streaming doesn't look as good. Um, I guess for me, it it all comes down to like first party or not, right? Like that's why again, if Halo wants to just be on Xbox and look gorgeous or whatever. Awesome. Yeah, make use of the Xbox as much as you want. But deciding to buy a company that needs money and then only allowing them to make games for you, I think is different. 
Um, so that's why I find it a lot less. The Halo IP was bought by Microsoft at one point, though. Like now, unfortunately, okay. or fortunately, Fair. depending on how you look at it, Bethesda is a first-party console, right? Or a first-party, not console, sure. what am I saying? First-party developer. Sure. Like they are owned under that umbrella. It's the same thing. Yeah. No, you, um, you're, you're, you're definitely right about like that they, they are going to be able to make Bethesda games. Um, That's work. why I'm saying that games should be able to be played by everyone. Oh yeah, and everything. No, I, like we should not have these walled gardens set up so I high. I agree. I agree. I I think that that that's that's better. Uh, I really am a big proponent of like digital marketplaces on PC um, and even heck like PC being able to get around the walls of these walled gardens that consoles have has has enabled the existence of things like itch.io where someone can even put up a game that is like a pay what you want structure where you can download it you just straight from the dev or you know send them some and donations or whatever and that yeah. and that's great um i think that the the market would benefit a lot from that sort of openness and i think that that is maybe why i don't, I don't want to speak for you janelle but maybe that's why we both feel like that bethesda being a uh, third-party dev that was financing their own games and putting them wherever they want was on was the, better than microsoft owning all of their ideas. no i, mean, I agree i, I mean, wholeheartedly putting, agree with that they were putting their games on so many things yeah. that it was a joke how many things <laughs> skyrim would be on right yeah. like yeah, yeah but everyone who wants to play skyrim had the chance to play skyrim yep. and right? now yeah, like, not everyone who wants to play skyrim gets a chance Which and that really sucks I, I am yeah. in agreement yeah. with that yeah. i'm just saying that like if we draw these weird lines like oh it's okay if this studio does it but if this studio does I mean, it then that's not again, oh, i'm not saying i would rather nobody do it i'm not agreed yeah I was just saying, like, that. I was only making that argument to say I can understand why a studio would prefer to work for one hardware, like, yeah. because it's an it's just like an ease of development thing. Um, I wasn't saying that the world is better because people on PC can't play Last of Us Part Two. I was just saying that that no, right, un- I, undoubtedly I, contributed to the smoothness of that game. No, I I understand that. Right, but the same thing could could in theory be applied to any future Zenimax games. That right? is like absolutely true and I and, and I feel that those those two opinions both aren't in conflict and they're also two separate conversations. I, I mean it only came up because you said I can't think of any reason why it wouldn't be better for all games if they were on everything and I was just sort of playing devil's advocate like I agree with you I think that would be super nice. But here's my thought on why it would be a benefit in one circumstance. That's not necessarily me saying I'm glad Naughty Dog is first party, but not that Bethesda is. Just that it is a, it's just an element of the talk to me. Okay, I, I get that. Yeah. It's just, I, 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 yeah, I don't like it when, when studios go and buy up other studios like well, that. Me too, Especially yeah. one that's this big. Like, this is yeah. a huge acquisition and a very shocking, unprecedented one. Yeah, negotiating um, something like taking machine games out of Bethesda's uh, catalog is like something different than them picking up eight studios in one stroke. Is yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it's massive, man. I mean, it, this is why I was talking about the Netflix thing. Uh, I mean, it's a little different, obviously, because we have these three massive, massive publishers that are also in the hardware game. Um. It's a it is a far off and very hypothetical danger. So don't quote me on me saying I'm trying to be an alarmist and this is going to happen. I'm I'm not. I'm just saying if you were to follow this sort of path of actions to the logical extreme, you could kind of end up with like the thing that the Motion Picture Association had to break up in the 30s. 
where you have oh, yeah where you have like three companies that control like the distribution platforms and the storefronts and the game studios and the devs and the consoles and the streaming yeah. platforms. i think that's and, a much more real concern you know? than you think like yeah and then there's even... not like any third-party devs that like it's like you want to make a game like do you want to make it for microsoft make it for sony or make it for nintendo like you better pick even I don't, just I don't want anecdotally to be like even just anecdotally like here's a fun here's a fun experiment listener go to like one of the big three right go to a nintendo of america or sony or or specifically playstation i guess or xbox's like twitter page just pick a reply and scroll down and you'll have people be like i wish you were bought out by someone else or like this studio (laughs) deserves to be by someone else like what are you talking about why do you want these to be like just owned by one thing right i I think why are you encouraging monopolizing you weren't gonna say anything no it's breathing oh you look like you were (laughs) I classic like a, breathing i had like you guys ever just all of a sudden you're like have to take a big breath now oh yeah, yeah. oh you're yeah, like, yeah you're yeah. like fuck <laughs> yeah. i was gonna say i i wonder if people say that because they want um sort of like a death stranding situation maybe they want sony or someone to swoop in and be like here's a blank check to make your wildest dream no you know what they want maybe they want they, the 90s console war they want <laughs> oh, it to be the 90s they, they just have a total tribalistic technology over or, tribalistic like views over this one piece of technology yeah right? like see mine is the best and yours is not that's what because, their entire worldview revolves around you know like i love that you brought up the death stranding um example because to me that's another you know and again i'm not like refuting um i think we all agree that exclusivity by and large is worse for the consumer um than the opposite uh but like that being said there there are some circumstances like with kojima productions and sony where sort of serendipitously the corporate interest of getting a big name and the personal interest of an artist lines up perfectly yeah sure. and i i don't think that they're very common but like damn i'm so happy that sony wanted kojima on their side and was willing to just throw him piles of money and to, to make him make their console sell it was amazing and the, the thing about it is that i don't think that there's like a clear what's good and what isn't yeah. because it might That's be true. better for the consumer if mm-hmm. everything were available and everything but like with cyberpunk we know that for the developers it's yep. not better well and that was worse for the consumer because of that well, yeah, yeah absolutely so i think it is just so dependent on a lot of things mm-hmm. but all of this is to say this does skeeve me out and i'm not very happy about it but also like I guess I, when I said earlier, I don't really care anymore. I think I'm just like so unsurprised by this kind of thing that I'm just like, you know, I'm like, whatever. Here's, here's what I want to know. Listener, do me a research. <laughs> one of the, one of the, one of the 20 games that, uh, the Bethesda is, why don't I just, did you, did you guys hear that? I did yeah, like, a, I did like a Porky Pig thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the 20 games that Bethesda is putting up on Game Pass is Doom 64. Now, I'm really curious, is this Doom's, like, the original files of Doom 64? As far as I know, Doom, 64, Doom 64 fell into licensing hell, and the license No, it got remastered, by... like, last year. I know, this is what I'm talking about. I've, I've, oh. I've, I've, I've talked to this guy. Oh, okay, okay. The, uh, Doom 64 fell into licensing hell, and the license was picked up by a group called Night Dive up in, up in Washington. It's owned by an independent developer that remastered the game, but it was released not uh under bethesda's publishing umbrella it's not like the i I, obviously the doom ip belongs to bethesda but the doom 64 remaster was not a bethesda run project so i'm really curious if this is the night dive port or if this is the original port 
I think it's an iDev port because okay. I imagine it the, the it just goes the IP goes where the owners go, right? Yeah. Like that's my best guess at least. So you know, um, you know what my main thing is right now? What's that? I don't like how with Game Pass, um, I guess it's the whole thing, but with Game Pass, Microsoft is just trying to get everything. As a tangent, can I tell you guys something that's been really making me anxious this whole episode? Okay. Sure. I am applying for work with the company Microsoft. <laughs> and I know this is never going to happen, but I'm very scared that like my recruiter is going to be like, let's check out her resume. Oh, podcast and listen to this and hear me say anything negatively about Microsoft. So I'm like, fuck. Um, <laughs> it really bothers me that um, Yakuza has always been um, a Japanese game series mostly on playstation because in japan they don't really play a bunch of xbox yeah, um and then and then microsoft game pass gets yakuza 7 and now all of a sudden yakuza is kind of becoming this like game pass baby and they had like some sort of timed exclusivity thing that bothers me a lot um and i'm just i'm just worried about how much more they're going to keep buying games and then either making timed exclusivity, which I find even more offensive in a lot of ways than full exclusivity, by the way. Because um, it's just a big, like, haha, fuck you for one year thing. That's we weird. We own this, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure um, yeah, and I don't know. I'm just thinking about that a lot. Maybe uh, that's kind of... Like you know, it's a, funny you... I, it's I can, funny you mention that. There have been rumors out the wazoo about uh, Microsoft buying Sega next. Uh, uh, which I don't I, think is uh, going to happen, but that keeps coming up in different discussions. I would say... I'd say, you know, I totally, I understand why that bothers you. Um, I think it would bother me more if, if it, if Yakuza being on Game Pass were coming at the cost of Yakuza being anywhere else. Um, thankfully, Yakuza it's not has yet. been coming out on Steam, PlayStation, Xbox, and then it being on Game Pass to me just leads to more people being able to access sure, it. Sure, but also Skyrim um, has been available on the PlayStation and Steam and everywhere else, but now the next Elder Scrolls game will not be. Sure, It's sure. just that again, So, like, are you, you're kind of, like, worried that Well, might, it could like, be if they decide Sega. to allow Game Pass, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you want to hope that Microsoft's not going to pick up Sega and then all of a sudden PlayStation will lose access to this uh, classic PlayStation franchise. I don't think that'll yeah. happen. But um, yeah, they're picking up bargaining chips to be like, "Hey, you should let our service on your platform." Which I don't have a I don't have a problem with Game Pass being on multiple platforms. Again, let people play games. No, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But if Game but, Pass is being used as a bargaining chip to get you to purchase an Xbox and not a PlayStation, then it's a whole different thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you never know, you know. I'm really I mean, curious can... to see how this is going to turn. Like, what what are the games under? Uh, microsoft going to be like what is bethesda or zenimax's future going to be like but um also i don't want to be entirely negative um bethesda does have a hard time with actually making their games (laughs) um and so i'm kind of hoping that this means that maybe they'll actually give them the push to one make that new engine that they want to make before they make um their new games and to actually make those games instead of putting people Mm -hmm. in limbo for now almost 10 years i'll give a positive here too you can now for nine dollars play game of the year 2018 prey on your phone on your phone prey genuinely Prey is a pretty cool game prey is the best arcane game that's dishonored is amazing prey is better let me tell you something come on i think it's i know i don't 
I don't want a single person, either of you or a listener, to tell me the fucking difference between oh, no. all five versions of Doom because I know okay, okay. I watched the stupid Tim Rogers five-hour video about it or whatever. <laughs> I know the fucking difference. But I think it's really funny that they're like, play these 20 new games in five of them are just Doom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I literally had to stop myself from going, well, Doom Eternal came out in 2019. I just realized exactly what you're <laughs> yeah, actually. Not to do. <laughs> also, uh, Doom 64 was exclusive to the Nintendo 64. And see, this means that Rage 2 will never again be on a Dreamcast. Oh, no. no. no not no. Rage. Oh my Everyone's god, I forgot. Intellectual property. I forgot about the Rage 2 Dreamcast. That's gonna be one of those things that shows up on like a listicle in twenty years. Of it's the weird, it's just the weirdest shit that a publisher ever did. Yeah. yeah. Alongside... It's sad though because they gutted a Dreamcast and put it in a PC. Like that I Dreamcast know. was probably perfectly fine before they took out its innards and probably threw. Can it you in the imagine Look, rotten a landfill? This this could be me and you playing Shenmue Two on my Rage Two Dreamcast. This could this could be what we're doing. We could be. Instead of recording the Emerald Games cast episode 58, we could be playing Nights into Dreams or Daytona USA on my Rage if, 2 Dreamcast. Hey, I'm going to brief callback here. If there are any, like, science fiction writers who are, like, very, very good at, like, real research <laughs> and do fiction, please tell me about what would happen if the Dreamcast won the console war. Because that's what I that's what I would like to know. I really, really love. I'll tell you that rather than saying alt history, you say science fiction. Like it would radically alter society. Well, I'll tell you They're what. Little... <laughs> I was I'll tell say you what. It's the same shit, but you know what? What is it? What it is would. It? You're right. The roles, the roles of Mario and Sonic in society would be flipped 100. <laughs> like they would just be completely flipped. We would be having Sonic and Knuckles in Animal Crossing. We'd fucking be having the Sonic whatever collection, <laughs> like I instead thought, of the Mario thirty five anniversary. Like, I thought like you were gonna Mario take this in a different direction. The no good Sonic Wait, movie. What direction did you think I was gonna? Take I thought this you in? were going to take this as in their characters would kind of because sw- like now that Mario is the underdog, he's got to be edgier and scrappier, and now that Sonic <laughs> is a big name brand, he's got to be very like friendly and amicable. <laughs> the gross thing about Mario being edgy now is that since like his whole thing is just that he's a plumber, he wears his pants a little lower, and he oh, always no. smells like cigarettes and like he's well, just he got pasta. nasty he's and pasta yeah. you guys remember that part in luigi's mansion when luigi finally finds mario and he like reaches out to like touch his shoulder and then the he accidentally knocks over the body and like mario turns around and his severed head rolls onto the floor and spills blood all over the planks that's that's what would happen in this new alternate universe. That's, that's, yeah, that's what it would look like. <laughs> hey, speaking no, of, if you don't want this to happen, you don't want to root bad. for console exclusivity. This is your warning. <laughs> Wait, but I do want this. Speaking of um, the Dreamcast. Yes. Yeah. When my mom was seventeen, she had a cat named after a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles character. I don't remember which one. It's only four. How, how does yeah, it sound in the Dreamcast? It's old. Um, those okay, turtles are it. old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, sir. Why not? Yeah, we're getting a new uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, I guess. Sure are. Are. By and Dot .emu and, uh, yeah. oh, sh- shoot, what's their names? Um, Tribute, who worked on the Scott Pilgrim games. And Dot .emu is behind uh, the amazing-looking Windjammers 2 and Streets of Rage 4 and the new Wonder Boy game. So, Fuck great that. track record so far. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, I'm looking at screenshots right now. It's, this is a... This game looks a whole lot like a uh, modern version of the old beat-em-up arcade game 
of Ninja Turtles. Um, it's it's very much like, you know, a 2D beat-em-up with, like, forward and backward plane movement. Uh, but the art is is way more bright. It's got way more bits. It kind of looks like, you know what it reminds me of? Uh, it reminds me of, like, Game Boy Advance sprites. More, this is more, way higher tech than, than Game Boy Advance sprites. Oh, These I know, I know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's actually 32-bit, but the color palette and the art style and mm-hmm, the sort of compression mm-hmm. of everything looks to me like the the idealized version of Game Boy Advance art, kind of like people are sort of being, um, kind of like how Hat in Time is made to look like an N64 game, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Can I complain about something not yeah. related to the game? I don't care about these turtles. Um, sure. They always gross me out. So, I mean, this is really cool. So I'm not complaining about this. And listener, if you think I'm annoying, you can fuck off. Okay. <laughs> wow. Um, what I think is annoying is that Jeff Keighley, the day that this was announced, tweeted this. Still coming down from the high of watching that TMNT game trailer this morning. I love when I get surprised. It's like a magician being stumped by a trick. Fuck you, man. Why? You're the guy who knows all the games or whatever. Get over yourself. I don't know why that tweet annoyed me so much, but it really <laughs> did. And it made me really negative on this yes. game for literally no reason, even though everyone else on the planet is excited about Wait, it. Wait, I'm sorry. It made you negative on the game and not Jeff Keighley? The both. Man it's like, that out? it's both. It's like... When I think about this game, I think about that annoying tweet <laughs> and also Jeff Keighley. You know what I mean? Um, that's not I, a real complaint. So. It just, that really kind of got under my skin. And I, that way that things that aren't a big deal tend to sometimes. So you know I'm what? For guessing... once in my life, I'm going to say I agree with Jeff Keighley because I don't care about the, the like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles IP, but those games, uh, the arcade game Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Turtles in Time, slap. Oh, they yeah. are no, 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 amazing no. video that's games. Not my, that's not my point. I bet. That, okay. I bet they're really great. My point is that he's like, can you believe I'm surprised? <laughs> oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. That annoyed me. So yeah. you won't be interested in going on an exhilarating Foot Clan stomping romp through the sewers and bustling boroughs of New York City all the way to Dimension X well, to chase Bebop and Rocksteady as they amass gizmos to support krang and shredder's latest scheme and tmnt shredder's revenge look here's the thing press release that 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 is is. that is the press blurb yes um just because (laughs) i did not make that up i do not know that many character (laughs) names i was like i didn't realize you cared that much about ninja turtles look just because i say i don't care about these turtles there's a lot of things i didn't care about until i played the damn game yeah that's that's true i'm gonna play the game i hated kratos and then i played god of war 2016 and 2018 what year what 2018 19 no didn't they make like kratos cool in that game 2018 Kratos was always cool, okay? Was he was, he was also um, deeply... No, he was, no, he, he, was, he was always cool. He was also just very problematic. Yeah. But, but no, no, no. That's, un, that's undeniable. But was he ever really cool? He Not was, before He then. was kind of cool if you, if you like, were young and you liked just, like, edgy badasses that cut people in half. Sure. Yeah, but was like, that ever was, cool? Alex, were you ever 12? Yeah, I didn't so was think that he was not cool. cool when you wow. were twelve. I forget that when Alex was twelve, he had the personality of a lame forty-five-year-old. Oh my god! I, I have that personality always. I'm I don't. With this. I, but I know I, that I know that you, when you were twelve, you didn't find things that twelve-year-old boys find cool. Cool, but like I gotta admit, Kratos, when he like jumped on the Cyclops's head and jammed a, a pike into his eyeball and ripped it out, like. I thought that was pretty freaking cool when look, I was a kid. You look, know? jokes about <laughs> Jeff Keighley aside, I think that this is really cool, and I love how many people I'm seeing on my Twitter feed being really excited about this thing that I never even heard about before. Um, I think this seems really cool. 
Yeah. yeah, it's it's too bad that Konami is a is a shriveled shell of its former self. Otherwise, uh, <laughs> maybe they could have had it get involved with this. Maybe they could have even like done a remaster of those other two games. But I'm cool with a new one too. Like I keep I keep seeing nice. I keep seeing rumor articles about Konami making a Metal Gear Solid Six, and it's and I'm thinking like, oh, uh, in other news, uh, Robert Zemeckis to direct Goodfellas Part Two. Like, why would I care? <laughs> why would I care if they did that now? It's not why anybody was there. Um, there's other good stealth games you can play, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe if they remade. If they remade old MGS games, for the record, I would I would be on board because the script. I am curious the, about that the one. The script's though. already there. They can't mess yeah. up the script, you know. Well, well, they could if they really wanted to. Where's yeah. my Blue Point Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game? I know <laughs> there was a uh, a Platinum one, but it sucked. It's like one of the only outright bad things Platinum has ever made. Well, uh, Korra's Legend of Korra. Korra's not bad. Uh, the Korra okay. game we can the have Korra a game Korra is what series. I mean. Yeah, I know. Not, the Korra yeah. game is not terrible. It's just really short and really simple. Let's let let me ask before we go into like our, our final part of the show here and we go into your little wheel of yeah. fortune game. <laughs> you guys get to pick one game that Blue Point makes like a perfect remaster of and it comes out tomorrow. What is it? Silent Hill 2. Ooh, good good call. Uh I'll just I'll just feed into the rumor mill and say uh, Metal Gear Solid. Yeah? Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. Like, I don't know, I, a better remake of Spyro One would be cool. Um, and I'm assuming that Blue Point is still, you know, like they're not going to work with like Nintendo or Sega or anyone else, right? They're going to kind of they have kind of a niche they have established for themselves. I want to make fun of Nolan a little bit about how, while thinking about this question, he just very dramatically turned to the games started messing with his mustache and looks like he's in deep thought now well <laughs> like stressed out like what game would i pick what do i, I do i didn't think i didn't swirling I like his glass of whiskey in his sweater yeah like, hmm, intriguing hmm. i was very curious about your answers but i didn't necessarily think of one myself but Callum's gate for you uh, Callum's gate's pretty cool maybe like my like off the top of my head answer would be like an actual faithful not uh like altering the game but like just a like a jrpg remake of final fantasy 7 like all all of the content kind of cool sure but i don't know that's what the mobile games will be so <laughs> who am i to say i'm gonna go with alex and to say mgs1 to be honest actually it's an, e- it's an easy yeah. one that game MGS1. I, mean, I like MGS that game. game so then we can all have one and then they'll all come out tomorrow because mgs2 is uh, uh uh flawless in its in its original form yeah, it no. never needs to be altered. And MGS3 is flawless and never needs to be altered. Maybe so. Maybe so. And never needs to be altered. I want a blue point Yakuza game. Don't know why. The thing is, Yakuza Kiwami is already like as good as that game's gonna get. I know. That's Yakuza sucks. One, like it's like <laughs> yeah. they basically yeah, made... Sega's remaking their own games. They don't yeah. need blue point. Spin that fucking wheel. Spin that wheel. Spin that All right. Wheel. So if you and... weren't here last time, I have a. Yeah. Uh, uh, a wheel of uh, things. Wheel of favorites is a tentative name for this, which I guess by now it's just the name for it. Um, it's just a list of like right now sixty, maybe more things of favorite X, favorite Y related to a video game. I'm gonna spin the wheel. We'll see what we get, and then we'll answer what just off the top of our head, kind of vamp about what our favorite or favorites are. All okay. right, uh, wheel is spinning. I feel bad about the Jeff Keighley thing. I don't really care that much. It's just he doesn't listen oh to the god. Podcast. This wheel spinning thing makes noise. I didn't expect that. I don't like that at all. Okay. 
So that we have landed on number 13, which is favorite tertiary character. Who is a favorite like side character in a game that is not a main character? They're just kind of like, maybe not even like a secondary character. They're just sort of there. Okay. It's a hard one. You go, Alex. Yeah. Um, we mentioned, I briefly mentioned Spyro. Uh, Moneybags is a very fun character to dislike in Spyro 2 and 3. Like, he's got such a, such a fun personality that it's like, whenever he gets in, in the way of what you want to do, and he's like, oh, it looks like I could use some more gems and I'll be able to open, he's just like openly swindling you in front of you. It's so much fun. Um, I, I love characters that do that, that are like, just like, dislikable in a really fun way and like okay yeah interesting mine i'm not speaking on the quality of the character Mm. but i feel like the last time the internet was unified in hatred was the do you get to the cloud district very often guy (laughs) from skyrim and i really (laughs) liked hating him and i really liked collectively hating him with the rest of the internet when i was however old i was 10 years does he have a name does he even count as a character he does have a name he has a wife. He has a name. I forget his name. Okay. Okay. I believe you. Yeah. I really like Patches in the in the Souls games. You guys know mm. Patches? Yeah. Uh, no. He's like he's like a recurring character in all the Souls games, and he is just sort of like a creepy little dude who like you'll come across him. Like he first appears in Demon Souls. You're in you're in this like cave system, and he's just down like looting the corpse and he just is like really weird and like overly friendly you know who he reminds me of alex is um seth from red dead one oh yeah. yeah he's like a really creepy like shriveled up dude that you would not want to meet alone in a dark alley but he's just like really like like congenial and overly friendly to you and eventually mm-hmm. he like joins the firelink shrine and just sort of hangs out nearby you all the time and he's just you never know, like in every game, how he'll show up. Um, he, he's just the first one comes to mind. I, these questions oh, always make me hard. realize that I, I'm never going to think of the one that would actually be the number one, you know? Yeah, yeah that's fine. That's just, it's just yeah. off the top of your head. Here's another one that I thought of, though, was uh, Barney from uh, Half-Life. He oh, is yeah. just, or the, the Barney class, I guess, in Half-Life 1, and then Barney, the individual, in Half-Life 2. They're just I, like, love, I love that Half-Life 2 took, like, three unnamed repeating character models and they were like this is <laughs> made Dr. them whiner yeah eli and barney <laughs> barney's just like the only character in half-life that's normal he's not a super genius he's not the chosen one he he's not like a scientist he's just like a dude he's just a dude who's like hanging out in the world and i like that about him yeah he's just like he's just a regular guy about that beer i owed you i I think his name's Ezra. There's this like little storyline in The Last of Us that you only pick up in notes about this guy named Ezra who like leads a group of survivors for a while and children. Do you remember that, Nolan? I do. Yeah, and you end up finding their headquarters underground with all of the like children's drawings up on the wall and stuff. Yeah, I've always liked I've always liked that guy. He's cool. Okay. He's a good guy. Yeah. He's dead. Oh, Nolan. So many. Yeah. What's the name of the snake oil salesman in Red Dead 1? Nigel West Dickens. Yeah, he fucking rules. He's you, such a scumbag. I love that dude. <laughs> you can find... Um, so if you finish Red Dead Redemption 2, 
and you read the newspapers um, circa like you know the the year that the post game is set in you can actually find a newspaper article about uh, a doctor by the name of Nigel West Dickens who like becomes famous because he he runs a different doctor out of town because he he claims that that doctor is lying to people with his medical formulas and then after he runs that doctor out of town he sets himself up and the article says that like he started selling his miracle cure and it became so popular that he's going to be touring new austin to to sell it you can sort of track it like the beginning of his career in red dead too it's a lot of fun yeah this dude is just like uh, a scumbag who's like selling just like horse piss and snake oil as like a miracle cure to make a quick buck honestly you end up getting roped into his schemes because he has something that you need in that first game honestly at this answer uh at at, at this point i mean my answer is just like the the entire ensemble cast of of red dead redemption (laughs) one yeah yeah that's fair not two about everybody oh two is amazing but those characters aren't tertiary anymore that's true. The ensemble true. cast in two is so much more uh, developed than characters like Nigel West Dickens ever were in the first game. Um, I mean, the, it's you know, the first game was trying to be more like a spaghetti western, so I don't think that the characters not being as fleshed out was an accident or a fault of the writing. I think they were more archetypical on purpose, mm-hmm. so they fit the mold a little more. Yeah. Uh, oh wait. Okay. Last one. Uh, okay. Maybe Cynthia from Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, actually. She doesn't have a whole lot of character because they're Pokemon games, but what she does have is, like, really, really cool. She's this mysterious figure throughout the entire game who's, like, very very friendly with you and works with you, and then she becomes... You find out she's the champion, and she is, I think, to this day, like, still one of the hardest champions in Dang. any of the Pokemon games. Uh, first first uh, woman champion, too, actually, now that I remember that. But Pokemon all of her... Uh, all what? of her... Uh, what? Pokemon diaper. Diamond and Pearl. <laughs> God, I hate that. I had a friend say that just casually because that's just like what he called it. That's and I was why like, I'm, I don't like that. That's why I'm saying it to you. Now. I don't I don't like well guess what? I don't like that. Okay, wow. real last one. Uh, okay, okay. Resident Evil 4 merchant. Yeah. <laughs> what are you buying? What are you selling? <laughs> Resident Evil 2 friend cop who dies very fast. Yeah. Yeah. What about the guy that like owns the the gun store? Like one of the first characters that you meet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He like points he's a cool shotgun at you. He's like, "Oh, I thought you were one of them." Oh, Barry from Resident Evil One. You know, Barry. Oh, maybe you, the master of unlocking, could make better <laughs> use of this. Oh, you God, were almost yeah. a jail sandwich. <laughs> Why haven't they released Chris! that like original dub? That's it's so because silly that they have not done that. Fucking cowardly. I uh, love that, that dub. That dub is a marvel. That 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 dub is the only reason you should ever play the original RE over the remake. <laughs> it's great. It's great. I think they should have just included the option to put that dub in the remake, which mm. you, you could probably remember, like mod it in. But you guys remember when like Bethesda? Why did I say Bethesda? We've been talking about them. So Shenmue Three was coming out, and Deep Silver was like. The like the voice acting in Shenmue Three is just as like hokey and stilted as as you remember it, and, and it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like but but why like why are you still doing that like it, it was it was charming because it was an accident you can't be like don't worry fans we made it bad again this is like on a Sharknado purpose. series like <laughs> when you purpose. try to make something bad on purpose then it's not gonna 
have that that feeling no. at all. Right? And then the game wants you to take it super seriously too. But also, don't worry. It's you just cannot as have dumb your cake and remember. eat it too. You need yeah. to have a natural lack of talent for it to feel good to me. Yeah, this is, yeah. This is why. This is why Shenmue One doesn't tell you that the man who would eventually go on to create Monkey Ball and Yakuza actually was the one that wrapped up development and tied all the loose ends of Shenmue 1 and 2 and made those games good. And then he went on to work on his own thing and become the creative, creative director of Yakuza. And then Yu Suzuki pulled a George Lucas and came back and was like, that's right, boys, I'm back. And yeah. I'm making Shenmue again. And then it turned out, just like George Lucas... He didn't know how to do that. <laughs> Real talk, I'm really happy that Shenmue has like blown up in the West so much. I need to play more of those games, but they're great. They're, they're really, great. really fun. So it's cool yeah. that people are like enjoying them and like they are becoming a big enough deal that people want to try to nab exclusivity. Yeah. Well, um, I'd say that, that that's the conclusion right there in episode 58. We're not going to be back for two weeks. That's right. Oh, that's we're... right. Yeah, we were taking a break. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. A little break, a break for spring break and for finals week. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, look forward to us coming back in a couple, in a few weeks, and maybe by then there will be some kind of Shenmue 4 news. <laughs> talking about <laughs> probably, most likely not. But in any case, that's Emerald Gamescast episode 58. Uh, you can email us at emeraldgamescast at gmail.com if you want to... Uh, you know, propose any kind of topic of conversation for us or give us any kind of question, we'll answer it. We'll talk about it. You can also reach us on Twitter at ODE Gamescast, and there is a Google, uh, like, a, like a form on there. You can submit stuff through the Google form that gets to us as well. Um, but other than that, my name is Nolan. With me, as always, has been. Um, I'm sorry for the Jeff Keighley stuff. Oh. I feel really bad about it. Not Why? because I feel guilty for talking shit about Jeff Keighley, but because I feel annoying. Which is a much worse feeling. You're, not, not, you're annoying. not annoying. You're good. Thanks, guys. Except Jeff Keeley you know is. Jeff Keeley probably is super annoyed. Maybe. If, yeah. he's, if he's listening. He got annoyed. Remember that one time on Twitter where we made Jeff Keeley mad? What? Do you remember that? Oh, I don't remember the yeah. context. What happened? Yeah, it was he, Jeff Keeley tweeted out, should I buy this gold-plated <laughs> PS4 controller? And Janelle, justifiably, was like, people are like trying to eat. Like... Or some, something like that. Just a very, like, why would you tweet this out now? And then <laughs> Like, Keely early in the pandemic. came in your replies and was like, it was kind of a joke. <laughs> do you really have nothing better to do than, like, call out people who, like, call you out? Like, get over yourself. I only hope to be that rich someday. <laughs> I, I think that, uh, that there's so many reasons why Jeff Keighley is the perfect host for the Game Awards, but his obliviousness is number one of them. Yep. We're going because off on a tangent here, so but I do, do I do wonder if Jeff Keighley, because like I've read his uh his Great. little like retrospective review like game type things. Those are amazing. Yeah. Why great. can't he bring a fraction of that to the Game Awards? Why does he just seem? Maybe he's not eager to, but it seems like he's really selling out. And again, I'm, maybe I'm talking out of my ass here, but like, it's really frustrating to see somebody work on something that's so interesting and have it just instantly be not that when he changes his his ideas or whatever. You know, I sure still um, do like watching those game awards, though. Yeah, I look cool. forward to those a lot. Yeah. We, it's like the old love to hate thing, you know. That's how I feel about them. Yeah. 
Who? Film well, majors in the Oscars. Alex never said his name. Who? Alex never oh. said it. He didn't. I mean, oh. you, well, you didn't say your and, name either. Well, I never do. And okay. and with us is uh, Alex. I'm not sorry for making fun of Jeff Keighley. Hashtag because, sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Make more of the retrospectives and less of the Dorito Pope stuff at the Game Awards, please. That's Alex's name. That's his name. It's on my birth certificate, yeah. You're, you, gotta, you gotta change your Twitter ID to less of the Dorito Pope things, please. Oh. <laughs> That's a great Twitter handle, actually. What if Microsoft makes the Elder Scrolls 6 be Elder Scrolls Go? No! For <laughs> Hey, hey, Hitman Go, I platinumed that game. That game rules. Yeah. But, you know, not if it was at the expense of, like, Hitman 3 existing. Yeah, there you go. Can you imagine <laughs> if they were, like, if if Square Enix was, like, Lara Croft Go was so successful, we're canceling, not not only are we canceling Tomb Raider, we're actually canceling the next Deus Ex to make Deus Ex Go. PSVR Final Fantasy 15 fishing game was so successful that we're not gonna make Final Fantasy 16. Instead, we're just going to re-release this on the next PSVR. Yeah, we're I also mean, never gonna release Final Fantasy 14 versus because fuck you. I mean, to be fair, Square Enix does make some really weird choices. Square Enix is out here like, we know the world wants Final Fantasy 4 through 6. We know they all hated the mobile ports. But maybe they'll like them on a bigger screen. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> okay. Okay, we well, gotta wrap up. Okay, bye-bye. We'll see you in a few weeks. See ya.